Proverbs chapter 10. So from this point forward, we have talked about Proverbs, Proverbs 9 through 10. Um, basically, uh, and I'll read a little. I, I got this book and I really enjoyed it as far as Proverbs is concerned. It says, this chapter marks the beginning of the next major section of the book of Proverbs. To this point, the focus has largely been uh, philosophical, addressing the benefits of wisdom versus the bitter consequences of sin. Can somebody remember one thing that we taught in the last, I don't know, how long has it been? Ten weeks? I think we've been doing it for about ten weeks, nine weeks. Well, we taught on... uh, the two differences. I think last week we, we explained in, in chapter 9. I, I have it here. Does anybody remember? All right, let's see here. I used to do this with my bus kids. Here we go. Ready? Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? Oh, I had it upside down. Let me try it again. Here we go. Ready? Yes. Wisdom and what else? Folly. Oh, see, so you, you didn't raise your hand. Um, but the idea there, there's a benefit and then there's a detraction from it, right? There's a one side if you do the right thing and there's a, another side if you do the wrong thing. And in this book, it says, now becomes the more practical, focused, emphasizing of the stupidity of sin and the wisdom of righteousness. And I think that's important to understand. Uh, I love how he used the word stupidity. Why? Because it basically reflects what stupid, what sin really is. It's stupidity. I see Brother Andrews post all the time on Facebook, and he's he's preaching it. He's preaching all these folks, trying to get them to turn from their uh, uh, pernicious ways and uh, get them on the right, straight and narrow. Uh, it makes me laugh sometimes because he's very passionate about it. Uh, But you know what? Praise God. I think as Christians, we need to all be like that in the sense that we are what? We are passionate about our understanding of what wisdom is and what stupidity is. You walk around. I saw something the other day where uh, some people had said that uh, they're, I forget what it was. It was something to do with the idea of transgenderism and how that they're willing to allow for men who are saying they're ladies to compete against other ladies. And, uh, the women are saying, what in the world is wrong? This is not right. Uh, there's no uh, reason for this because every time the man's going to win. Why? God created man and women differently. That's stupidity. When you think that you know more than what uh, God says about nature, then you're stupid. You break the laws of God. I was telling someone the other day about this. I said, you think about this for a second. Whenever you subvert Well, God's laws, and I'm going to give a perfect example, when a woman decides that she is going to lead the home, does it turn out good? No, it does not. I don't care what situation you're in, God is always meant for the man to lead the home. The Bible is very clear about that. When a woman leads the home, what happens? There becomes this lopsided sense, and there becomes a a sense of uh, uh, diminished direction. And I think that's important to understand. If the children leave the home, is it going to end up well? No. If the children leave the home, you're going to have problems. It does, doesn't it? Have you seen a kid going down the store and, I love this! Right? 
Yeah, they're crying, they're screaming. I want candy, I want toys. What does mommy and daddy do? Oh, okay. And they go grab it for them. That's not good. Why? Because they've subverted God's teaching. God has told the Bible, uh, children, children obey your parents the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. The Bible tells the woman to what? Honor your husband or respect your husband. But it also tells the husband to what? Love. Yes. And as a Christian, we need to make sure that we're not subverting wisdom to go after stupidity. The world's so willing to take some type of stupidity and add it to their uh, roster of things that they want to uh, advertise as something smart. I was reading in 1 Corinthians this week in our family devotions, and it was talking about the idea of the wisdom of this world. It takes you to 1 Corinthians chapter... What, what is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse what? 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what? Foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? The Holy Spirit is in the life of the Christian, the life of the believer, and he literally is giving him the wisdom. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we find the first part here, and I, I, I wrote down some notes on this, and I thought it was interesting. First of all, he talks about, read that first verse for me, uh, Sister Raina. Uh, chapter 10. Yes. All right, so we got the wise son and we have the foolish son. What happens to the wise son? He what? Okay, what's another... If we were going to use a modern phraseology, what would you say? Yes. You listen to me talking to mom on the way to church. No? How many's ever heard, boy, he's a proud papa? You're right. It is better, isn't it? But that's what people would say, right? Oh, she's so proud of their son. Now, we, the Bible's very clear about pride, right? Pride's not good in any sense. Right, he's pleased. He's not, Right. We should, the only thing we should be proud about is nothing because we don't have anything to say that we've accomplished in our lives. But the wise son pleases the father, right? What happens to the foolish son? Heaviness. I would go as this venture to say that a and I don't know how this translates in Spanish, but the idea of heaviness, sadness, wouldn't it? It's a grief. And you think about it, it probably weighs a little bit harder on the mama than it does the daddy. Okay? I, it's a good question. I think women are mitt because they are the ones that kind of foster the home. They have that sense of connection and emotions to it, whereas a man is more just kind of non-emotional about some things. Don't get me wrong, we do have emotions, we do deal with things in a certain way, but we look at things a little bit more factual. I think that's why God is showing the opposites, right? Uh, the daddy's pleased, the mommy's heaviness is the foolish son. So you look at the, if you look at biblical poetry, a lot of times it's the complete polar opposites of what it's trying to illustrate. A wise son is all the way over here with a pleased dad, uh, uh, a proud dad, or happy dad, you might say, 
foolish son is the heaviness of the mother. Okay? So there's some understanding there that we got to under, understand about what God expects from us. And, and I took this time to kind of illustrate how God feels about us. You know, we are his sons. We are his daughters. God expects from us not to be a heaviness. Okay? Now, again, our Heavenly Father doesn't... We don't have, a, uh, we don't have Mary the mother. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. We're not going to go there, brother. You're going to start sounding like Mary now. Uh, we're going to talk of worshiping a Mary. I understand where you're going with that, though. I, I appreciate it. But the idea here is that we as Christians need to be making sure that we are what? Obeying our Heavenly Father. And we can grieve our Heavenly, or grieve the Holy Spirit, as Brother Oscar mentioned. And as a Christian, we need to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to be a disappointment to God. How many times have you got up in the morning and you felt like you weren't worthy to walk out the door? I know that I'm like that sometimes and I remember all my faults and I remember all my things. And that's when I come to Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry. A perfect illustration of that is when I'm dealing with my boss. If I failed as an employee, I go to my boss and say, boss, I'm sorry I messed up here. Uh, I just did that recently. My, um, my recall rate was a little high this month. Uh, that's the amount of times I had to go back and visit after I'd already been there within 30 days. And I had to tell my boss, hey, look, I'm so sorry. Now, it didn't help that my percentages were due to the fact that I only had a few calls. So any time I did something wrong, it was, it's huge. But the idea there is that you have to be careful that you're going to go back to your daddy and what? You're going to tell him you're sorry. Confess your sins to him. If you keep that communication with him, He's going to have a good heart about you. But if you don't, and you're constantly deriding him, you're constantly trying to escape his, his understanding, escape what you're, you're just trying to hide sin from him, he's not going to be happy. It's going to be heaviness to him. It's going to be grief. So we find this first verse in chapter 1 is the idea of uh, introducing wisdom and righteousness and philosophically uh, in the understanding that Solomon is now detailing the Proverbs unrighteousness now it's going to be more of a practical side of things um secondly we got uh proverbs chapter 10 verse 2 and 3 before we go there turn to matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 someone read that for me go ahead andrew All right. Who is that speaking about? Lord Jesus. He was pleased with his son, wasn't he? What a great example. Uh, he say, well, that Jesus, he disappoints me. No. He says, I'm well pleased. And the Bible even goes a step further. When you get to heaven, what is he going to say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. There is a sense of being well done in your Christian walk. And it kind of gives it gives evidence against the proof that people say, well, you could just worship God however you please. No, there's a there's a path, there is a way. Uh, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto the in there, but the end thereof is the ways of what death. And so we have to be careful that we're pleasing God the way He wants us to. A fool is someone who's arrogant, self-sufficient. He's rebellious. 
So as a major goal, we should be not only in our own lives, but in our children's life. Remember that you are raising children, if you have any. Praise God, if you do. If you don't, uh, listen, because you might be a help to some folks. But as a parent, we are to be what? Being the uh, picture of our Heavenly Father. Consistency is important. Now, we will fail. And when we do fail, we point them back and say, yeah, your daddy failed, your mommy failed, but we're trying to give you a path and direction. We ask your forgiveness. I've asked my family forgiveness lots of times. Why? Because I will fail, and you will fail too. It's important to understand that. All right, so the second part here is Proverbs chapter 10, and someone read 2 and 3 for me. Okay, verse 3. Okay, I love these verses. It hit home for me. Let's take that first part. What? Let's define what is the treasure of the wicked. We like that magic marker on the board. Substance, okay. Wealth, right? What else? There's three of them, really, if you think about it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? Those are the three things. So, lust and pride. These three things are exactly... What are the treasures of the wicked, right? Wealth, lust, and pride. What happens with wealth? You think about Bill Gates, or not Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had everything. The Bible says uh, that, um, oh, now just escape me. Uh, Gain the whole world but lose his soul. Where's that found out, Oscar? Matthew, I didn't say Matthew. You don't remember? Offhand. But the idea there is that these folks have what? They have everything by the by the um, bull by the horns, you might say. They have the wealth. They have uh, 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 anything that they can fulfill their lust with. And they have the pride of life. They have the stand, uh, standing in front of their peers, you might say. But what are they missing? They're missing that this is all going to fade. This is all going to go away. And so what happens from that? Well, I can think of a couple of things. The Bible, move on. The treasures of the wicked profit nothing, right? What does it say? The righteous, the righteous, but the righteousness delivereth from death. What are some things that would cause someone to lose the treasures of the wicked? What would happen? Well, I can think of one off the top of my head. How about car accidents? And not just any car accidents. What kind of car accidents? Those that involve what? I'm sure I'm spelling this wrong. Got to put that one there. Alcohol. Alcohol is one of the causing re- uh, reasons for car accidents. And the Bible's very clear the treasures of the wicked profit nothing. You can drink and drink and drink and you can party and party, but it will catch up with you. Why? Because you have become addicted to that alcohol. 
Uh, I, now, people used to get at me. Uh, I remember when I would go out street preaching, they'd get mad at me. You like this, Brother Cesar. They'd see my weight, and they'd say, Why are you preaching against alcohol? You've had a Big Mac. The Bible says to what? Do what's right with your body. And he's, they're right. And I have not lost that understanding, but listen to me. I don't change my under, my ability to my senses when I eat. It is something that God says for us to do. We are to, to eat. The Bible says if a man does not work, he should not eat. Right? But I'm working, so I should be okay, right? Alcohol is a totally different thing. The Bible is very clear about strong drink. The Bible says that strong drink is raging. Listen to me, Cesar Jr. How old are you? 16? 17? There's going to be a time when someone's going to come to you and say, Cesar Jr., why don't you come out and go out and have a drink with us? Have a little booze. you got to be careful. Alcohol is what? Going to destroy people's lives. And that's important to understand. Listen to me. Alcohol is not just destroyed in car accidents, um, but something else I was thinking about. Treasures of the wicked. We got lust, right? How about people are killed by response to what? Adultery. Adultery. Right? How many's heard people having fights and getting killed? Man and woman. The Bible is very clear. Man, I, I can get alliterated. How about that? Alcohol adultery. I don't know if I can find the third one or not. <laughs> we find here what? People have had adultery and they're, they're in the lust of the flesh. They're enjoying their life and they're doing their own thing, but they're killed because of it. It goes back to the treasures of the wicked. Well, what? What does it say? Read it with me. The treasures of the wicked, what? Profit? Nothing. It might be attractive. That's why they call it the follies of youth. When you're young, it's attractive, isn't it? Oh, I'll go out and I'll be this uh, phil uh, uh, philanderer. I'll go out and have a good time with all the ladies that I know. But then you end up with a disease. It profits nothing. Right? Adultery profits nothing, does it? Eventually what happens? You are not a happy person. You think about all these Hollywood stars. They can't keep a relationship. I was thinking about Tom Cruise. He's been married to what? Three, four different women? Tom Cruise? Three, four different women? He can't keep a relationship for the life of him. I guarantee he looks at some of these people. And I, I, wanna, I would go a step further. That the, that the left and the people that are uh, gone in their sin hate us. Not so much because we are Christians, but what we reflect. It reflects back on them. They say, boy, I wish I had that. I'm mad at them because they have that. I'm mad at them because they have a good relationship with their wife. I'm mad at them because they have a good relationship with their husband. It's interesting to understand alcohol. Adultery. How about... Oh. Your mouth. The Bible says, let not what? Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Right? Too many people, though, they shoot their mouth off. It might... Might be a connection there. Right? Too many people. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little warm in here. We got this heat already cranked up, don't we? 
69 degrees in here. Woo! Maybe I'm just getting too excited preaching. So we find here what? The mouth. Does that kind of go with the pride of life? It sure does, doesn't it? People shout in their mouth. Man, I tell you what, I don't get it. I watched that debate the other day. Boy, some people just need to shut their mouth. Both sides. Sometimes it's better just to be quiet for a second. Let the other person run their mouth. My kids are like that. You t- they, they, they just keep talking, keep talking. I said, you're just digging a, you're digging a bigger ditch. Keep talking. Yeah, there you go. You got yourself in the bottom of the hole by that time. It's important to understand that the treasure of the wicked profit nothing. But it says what? The righteous, what? The righteous delivereth from death. I love the verse, and I'm going to claim this verse until I'm 95 years old. <laughs> Not that I'll live that long. My grandma did. I don't know if I will. But the Bible says that it's the first commandment with a promise when you obey your parents. Why is that? Because if your mommy and daddy say, don't run out in the street, you're going to listen to them. Your parents know a little bit more than you do. Oh! What, Dad? Come on now. What? Right, Esther? You think your dad knows a little bit more than you do? She's going. I'm just kidding. I'd give a dad a hard time tonight if he were here. So, right, Sam? Your mom and dad don't know nothing, right? Yeah, they know everything, don't they? Amen, Cesar Jr., right? Um, I, I tease the kids all the time. Are you too cool for school? Right? Why? Because they always think they can't be taught. They can't be schooled by daddy. They're too cool for school. Right? If you get that type of spirit, listen to me. You're going to have problems. The Bible says very clearly that the righteous delivereth from death. And as a Christian, we need to make sure that we are what? Looking out for what God has given us to do and that we are looking to do the righteous path because it might be the very thing that saves our life. Isn't it interesting? Down through the years, the people that have loved, lived and loved a clean life and loved and uh, loved people that live clean lives, how much longer they live than those that don't? Think about a drug dealer. How long is his life expectancy? Not very long. You say, Brother Harold, really? Yeah, go, go ask some of these folks that live out in the bad neighborhoods of town. What is their problem? Well, they've been, they've been living a life that's riotous living. It's interesting, even those that have lived that type of life, look at them after about 10, 15 years. They look like when they're 25, 30 years old. What do they look like? They look like they're 50. Why? Because sin has had a horrible effect upon their lives. And that's why the Bible says the righteousness delivereth from death. Let's go to that second verse. It says, The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. Sister Kim, I could think of nobody when I read this verse but you folks. Brother Till has been sharing me the blessings of what they've received of of late and some of the things that they received in the past. He sends me a little text and I tell him, don't, don't stop sending those. Those are always in the light of my day. I read those and I get so encouraged. But this verse here is, the, is literally the verse for all those that struggle. What does it say? Read it again. Read it out loud. Everybody, let's read it together. It says, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. But he casteth away the substance of the wicked. Got a couple of references. Turn to Psalms chapter 37 and verse 25. Who'd like to read that for me? Psalms chapter 37, verse 25. 
All right, Brooklyn, go ahead. I love that verse. I love that verse. Amen, Sister Kim? Is that a promise there? Here's, here's David speaking. I think it's, is it David? Let me make sure I got the right one. Yes, Psalm of David. Here's David speaking. What is he saying? Brother Sassar, what is he saying? What is he saying? He's old. He was young and he's old his entire life. He's not seen the righteous begging bread. So if you're out there and you can't get the food that you need, why? Now, again, society today is a lot different than it was back then. Society today, uh, you, get a, you do have a safety net from the government on some things. But listen to me. God is always going to take care of your needs. You just trust him with it. And it's exciting to see how God will do that. And God has done that for Sister Kim and Brother Attila. And he'll do that. He's done that for me. He's provided for us. But it's only when I'm being faithful to his will. If I'm not faithful, I can expect what? The opposite. And what does it say in the last part of that? He says, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. The substance of the wicked. You're literally, the things that you uh, deem necessary. Uh, The Bible says he will rebuke the devourer. You ever heard of that? What does that mean? Basically, the devourer is Satan. He wants to take up as much of your stuff as possible. I think about the wicked person. What are they doing? They're spending on everything. Alcohol, smokes. I love it. When we used to, we had this family that we decided, the bus family that we were going to pick up, that we had picked up for a long time. And we told the mom that we would help her move. Do you remember Eric and Michael, Oscar? Eric and Michael? You remember them? And what was their mother's name? She came. She she grew for a little bit, didn't she? But it's interesting because we moved their family. Now, Sister Kim, you're going to laugh. This is at the end of 1990s. They had literally eight televisions. They were living in a home that had no water and no heat. You say, how is that? I don't know. Over there, Martin Luther King Drive. But they had eight televisions the substance of the of, of the wicked what happens he will cast away you can say well what do you spend your money on i don't know uh you can you can expect for god's blessing on things but then you can also expect god's curse on things if you're not living by faith it's important to understand that turn your bibles to matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? And added unto you. Trusting God first. People say, well, I need to make money. I need to, I need to take, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. But put God first. Well, I, 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 I need to miss church to be able to make money. No, 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 no. Don't be fooled in what Satan wants you to think there. Uh, well, I can't give my tithe because I need to have it for something else. No, 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 no. Seek ye first God's kingdom and let God add it to you. I can't tell you how exciting it is when God, you do what God expects from you. 
You give, you live your life according to what he wants you to do. And let God bless. Let God fulfill your needs. It's interesting because he doesn't stop there in verse 4 and 5. We find something interesting too. Here, here is talking about wealth. The hand of the diligent. Verse 4, it says, He becometh the poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. We find here that there is an interesting uh, correlation between the hand of the diligent and the slack hand. The hand of the diligent. I see Brother Sassar and Brother Lewis. Uh, you guys came, when did you come to the United States, Brother, Brother Sassar? Okay, 97. How old were you? 18 years old. Did you know all the things that's in your trade at 18? Did you know the electricians, drywall? No. How'd you learn those? You were diligent, weren't you? If you were lazy, you would never learn that trade. Why? Nobody came in and says, all right, Brother Cesar, get your books out. Right? All right, this is how you do good drywall. Nobody told you to do that, right? You had to learn from somebody else on the job. You had to be diligent. I love to see Brother Cesar and Brother Lewis. Uh, they come to this country. They were young, uh, but they were old enough to be uh, not have some of the comforts. And they were what? Diligent. And see how God has blessed them? By their diligence. It's, it's just amazing. Some people come from, like some of these guys, you see some of these guys from third world countries, like Nigeria. Or like um, Ethiopia, they come and they start working here, and they work hard. I used to work with this guy. I forget what his name was. He would work around the clock, and he would put the money aside. And then you look at some of these fat, lazy Americans like me, right? And you look at them, and you say, and they're complaining about every little thing. Some people come from a different country, and they're like working so hard, and yet you see how well they've done. You can see it all around this country. You come and work hard. Listen, you're going to make the money that you need to make. The Bible is very clear about the hand of the diligent. What does it say? The hand of the diligent, what? Maketh rich. It's interesting. And then it says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Listen, as we deal with things in our life and when we work, and I'm not stopping it just with the financial side of things. I'm talking about your Christian walk as well. Remember, God has not given us a, 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 a spirit of not working hard. It's not going to come easy. It's never going to come easy. If it were going to come easy, we would still be in the garden. But where are we? We're in a fallen world, aren't we? Do you think it's hard to live the Christian walk? What do you think about it, girls? Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Is it hard to be faithful to the will of God? Yes, it's hard. That's why you have to get up and ask God to help you with it because you can't do it on your own. I'm going to start preaching here in a second. This is good stuff. I hope you... Can I hear an amen? All right, we got a few people listening. Listen, God has given us what? A few years on this earth. What we're doing here matters. What we do with our life is important. But listen, as if we're not serious and we're not sober about what we're about, we're going to what? We're going to fail. And God forbid that we fail because we have a lot riding on the line. Some of you that have kids, you have your children that are riding on the line. 
Some of you that have been witnesses and, and trying to witness to people, you have a lot riding on the line. Why? Because God is expecting for us to be diligent. It's interesting that you can see two types of different people. People that work hard, people that uh, uh, are determined, people who are not letting every little thing stop them. But there's people that are, that are determined and say, I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm not going to set anything aside. I'm going to just go forward with what God's given me to do. I'm going to try to get God's mind on things, and I'm not going to let it stop me. You think about Oscar's run a few marathons, but you think about the Bible says uh, that we should lay aside every what? Sin that so easily besets us. Let us run with diligence. Don't be caught sleeping on the job. Brother Sassar, what if you went up there and you're working on some sinks and uh, you decided there's a nice little place up there you can take a nap? And you're sitting by the well, taking a nap. And your boss comes upstairs, what are you doing? Do you think he'd be happy with you? No. He'd say, what is your problem? And we are not literally, but we are sleeping on the job when it comes to our Christian walk. We walk around thinking that, oh, well, it's always going to be this way. I think some people get lulled by Satan to think that it's always going to be this way. My church is always going to be this way. You don't know this, but maybe five years down the road, this church could be gone. Where is your family then? What is, where are you going to go to church? There's, there's one good Bible-believing church on the, on the uh, east side, and there's one good Bible-believing church on the north side. There's very few Bible-believing churches that preach the King James Bible, that believe in good music. we got to be diligent. we got to work on this church. we got to make it happen. And that just doesn't go with our church, but with our families. Where is your kids going to be in five years? Where is your kids going to be in two years? Where is your kids going to be in one year? Do we have goals? Are we sleeping on the job? Where is your relationship as a spouse? I can tell you of countless people that I grew up with who were married. I think of one specifically. They were both Bible college graduates. They came to Bible college at an early age, and I've seen them not or leave Bible college, and they're divorced today. I think of one specifically. They were going to go into the mission field to Africa, and he got cancer, and he quit. They, God even blessed them, even after he had cancer and had all that radio, um, chemo, uh, radiation. God gave them a child. And what happened? They got divorced. They left what God wanted them to be. Where is your family going to be in two years? Where is your family going to be in a year? I say that because you'll never be able to really see the progress of your family if you're not putting in a short-term idea. You're sleeping on the job today, you'll be sleeping on the job in 10 years, and you'll wake up and say, what happened? Right? Brother Cesar, you're up there working on those uh, apartments. If you're sleeping on the job, are they gonna, is it going to get done? No. In the same sense, our Christian life is not where it's going to be in 10 years if we're not serious about doing the work today. Setting the groundwork for our Christian walk, setting the crown, groundwork for our families, setting the groundwork for our church. And it's important that we're not having a slack hand. We're diligent. We're faithful. 
I was talking to someone the other day and, and setting up goals for them. I've done this. Know what God wants you to do and do it, right? Put a list of things. Say, this. I know these are things that God wants me to do. I need to get them done. We're too busy sitting there entertaining ourselves. We're too busy uh, sitting there trying to uh, have fun. Find out what God wants you to do and be faithful about it today because our time is precious. It says what? Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Trusting his word, let us watch and pray. The Bible says in Psalms, so teach us to number our days we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. We have short time here, folks. We have short time here on this earth. We have short time here in Chicago. And God's given us a small window to say, what can you do with what I've given you? I hope your goal and your desire is to say, I'm going to move forward today with the things that I know I need to get done, and I'm going to be faithful to them until God calls me home. All right, let's stand together for a word of prayer.